You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Welcome to 128, based on Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. In this episode, I have the opportunity to interview Kathy McCoy, a worship leader here at Grace Point, extraordinary woman of faith and of God uh, with two twin sons, Zach and Matt. And uh, I think you're really going to be encouraged by this particular podcast. I think this is going to minister to your soul. So without much further ado, let's get into it. Well, I am here with Kathy McCoy. Kathy, thank you for being a part of this. Sure. I so appreciate that and appreciate you. One of the most powerful nights I have ever been a part of was the night we were in Germany together on a mission trip Mm -hmm. and you did some training for worship. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the first night that you talked publicly, um, privately and with other friends, you've talked quite a bit about the death of your husband, Dave. Mm -hmm. But it's the first time you ever talked publicly. You were actually teaching on worship and you talked about how worship that which aspects of worship carried you through some of the most difficult times of, uh, of kind of grieving and mourning mm-hmm. over Dave's death. And I know that's still a crater loss mm-hmm. in your life, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was such a powerful, powerful moment and a real testimony to you who have never stopped being devoted. Uh, you have never stopped leading in worship. You have never stopped following Jesus. And you know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not an easy thing. So I think you are an exceptional example of someone who is a spiritually mature person who loves Jesus, loves other people. You have a vibrancy for life. Um, you're fun to be around. You got two great sons and Zach and Matt. And so uh, I just really appreciate the conversation that we get to get into together. Uh, let's start at the very beginning, right? It's a very sure. good place to start. Okay. Um, so where were you born and raised? I was uh, born in Columbus, Ohio, raised in a small town outside of Columbus, uh, like less than 5,000 people. So, oh, okay. Um, where? A little town called Johnstown. Okay, Johnstown. Now, I like Columbus, Ohio, actually mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, it's interesting. There's a road that takes you all the way out to Dublin mm-hmm. and kind of through uh, the Ohio State section, and then you keep going to downtown. I forget what the name, the name of that road is, but it's a great road. There's some great little little towns around Columbus, Ohio. Uh, how like did you live there most of your childhood? Did you were you born there and then you left? Or? Uh, nope, I was born there. I was raised there. Went through high school. When I went to uh, when I went to college, I went to the Ohio State. It was Ohio State University then. It wasn't the Ohio State University okay. at that time. Um, and the Buckeyes, uh, I, uh, totally a Buckeye, absolutely. Now, is that the actual mascot for the it Ohio is. State? It is. So isn't a Buckeye a bean? It is a poisonous nut. <laughs> so watch so out. Don't, don't mess with Buckeyes. <laughs> we're the poisonous nuts. That's, exactly. That's where that came from. All right. So do you have siblings? I do. I have three siblings. I've got uh, an older brother uh, and two older sisters. So, so um, you're the youngest. I am. I am. Of four. Of four. And so my parents had two, kind of, they say they had two families because my brother, oldest brother and sister are nine and 10 years older than me. And then my other sister is a year older than me. So. Okay. So you and your sister, your immediate oldest sister, mm-hmm. you guys kind of grouped mm-hmm. together and came mm-hmm. up together mm-hmm. a little bit. Yep. And then there was your older brother and mm-hmm. that sister, and they kind of came up together yep. a little yep. bit. Yep. So in a sense, my parents had a chance, I don't want to say they had a chance to raise two different families, but uh, it's interesting to talk to my siblings because you can tell there, there are differences in how each of us were raised. Two different phases mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. parenting. Mm-hmm. What made, any idea what made them start up again after a nine year oh, break? Totally Just unexpected. Totally unexpected. Mistaken. And then yeah. I thought, well, we're on a roll. Let's yeah. keep going. Well, no, even I was a mistake. Like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, it was completely. <laughs> and then my brother kept saying, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. And, oh. and I was not. Well, <laughs> The world is grateful for that. The world's very grateful for that. Okay, so what was it like growing up in rural Ohio? Really, just I'm, I mean, outside of Columbus, mm-hmm. but uh, really, a, you said small town, mm-hmm. five thousand people. Mm-hmm. Was that a blessing? Do you, when you look back, do you kind of go, everybody knew everybody, or are you kind of like, man, it was such a small. Oh, everybody knew everybody. Everybody. I mean, I think growing up, it was hard that everybody knew everybody's business. Yeah. Um. It was. It was great, and that everybody 
was neighborly and to the point that, uh, you know, even as I got older, you know, just knowing that my parents were taken care of, yeah. um, uh, you know, when we left and uh, it was just, it is a very neighborly uh, town to grow up, up and in. People in Ohio are friendly. Oh, for sure. They're and just I, friendly. People. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I went off to Ohio state, I started out at a small branch and, uh, and not, not too far from, from where I lived close to Dublin. And then when I did go to the main campus, I was still commuting. I was driving back and forth from, from home, from my parents' home and going to college. I didn't go away to college. And, uh, Ohio State's 60,000 students. And I walked across the Oval and I just kept smiling at people. What's the Oval? Oh, sorry. The Oval is uh, the center of campus where okay. it's kind of it's where you would it's see. It's like the quad. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so. Um, but they're special. They don't need a quad. They have an Oval. It's an Oval because it's Ohio State, the O, the Oval. Oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> so. Uh, but, in the shape of a giant poisonous bean. I understand. <laughs> nut. But okay. Nut. Sorry, nut. nut. Sorry, that's right. The nut. So I do remember just walking across the campus and smiling at people and people giving me looks like you're strange. <laughs> Is that because it was like small city, big, like you, now yes. you were in the big city yes. of Columbus, Yes. but in a small town, everybody smiled. And Absolutely. You smile, you wave. If you know someone's across the street, you, Hey Joe, how's it going? And I went back home and I said to my dad, I was, he's like, how was it at the big campus? And I was like, I, I felt really weird. You know, nobody, yeah. I smiled. I, nobody said hi. And he said, you just keep smiling, sis. Really? <laughs> and he, you know, and um, so, but I could, it was, that was the difference between a small town and a big city. And again, not that far, 45 minutes from the big city. Um, yeah. But sometimes if 45 minutes is a world away, mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. depends culturally on how it all lays out. Like there's even towns that are further away but they feel attached to a city mm -hmm. and there are towns that might even be closer that feel totally detached yeah. to a city yeah wow yeah. so okay so were you raised in a religious house did you uh or a house that followed jesus mm -hmm. or kind of was it nominally christian like what was the environment the my mom environment? was a strong believer and so when i say uh when i talk about the fact that uh, my older brother and sister were raised in a little bit different family than my other sister and I were. Um, my dad went to church when my brother and sister, my oldest brother and sister were younger. And at some point he stopped going. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, he didn't go to, to church at all. Oh. To the point that um, part of what uh, I, I love to sing at an early age. I remember asking, uh, I remember my sister being in choir and asking if I could join and, um, and, um, them letting me do a special because I kept asking, could I please sing? And then I started asking to get my dad to come to church because I realized he would come to church. So I used that. Uh, I look back at it now and I said that wasn't the right thing to do. But at the time I thought this is how I can get my dad to come to church is if I sing. And I did that even through high school really? to try to get just to get him to come. Just as a witness for him to come in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And was the idea there, gosh, if, if we can just get him attending, he'll be around the gospel and maybe believe. Mm -hmm. And so that had to have been, you know, that's not an easy thing for your mom, mm -hmm. right? Because as a partner, you'd like to both be in. Mm -hmm. Did she become a believer later in the marriage or was it early on? Or do, do think, you know anything about that? Yes, she did become a believer. Well, she she grew up a uh, Baptist. Okay. And so she never, it wasn't that she didn't believe. And my dad would actually say that he, uh, he always believed there was a God. Yeah. Um, he is a believer now, which yeah. is a, which is a whole nother story. He's a great guy. And, 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 um, but he would, if you ask him about his, uh, his conversion experience, he will say it was really that I didn't want to give up control. Yeah. It wasn't that he didn't believe. It's just that he didn't want to say it's yours. It's yours. And my mom did that. Uh, she grew up with that. Uh, she had her mother. She had a father who was alcoholic mm. and a mother who was bipolar. Oh, wow. And so um, I, she, I. That's tough. Mm -hmm. She grew up tough. So she and she she literally grew up in a shack where in the wintertime she would they would stuff newspapers through the cracks in the. So um, I've seen that. I've known people who've lived that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. So for her, I think her faith has always been strong. I think. Um, she would say uh, when I, uh, I think as I talked to her, she got older. She felt like when um, 
when she first started her first family, (laughs) she felt like maybe she can look back and say she thinks she was, I don't want to say fanatical is not the word, but so rigid. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so her faith grew Mm -hmm. as uh, throughout her life. But I always remember, I don't remember a morning. I didn't wake up seeing her in her bedroom, uh, reading her Bible. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. What a phenomenal memory to have. Mm -hmm. I I share that memory uh, with my own mom. And I think, there's something about that legacy of faith and also just the privilege of watching that person grow. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be a shame if it was like, no, no, I, I came into the marriage perfect and, um, and I ended perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, who, how, you know, but this idea of growing with grace and then looking back and go, okay, I probably could have tempered this. This probably could have changed. Mm-hmm. So she must have had a pretty big influence on you. Mm-hmm. Did she also, was she also musical? No. So was anybody else musical in your family besides you? Uh, My my sister and I are. Your sister and you, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. two that are born in Mm -hmm, proximity. mm -hmm, Isn't mm -hmm, that interesting? mm -hmm. And my dad has a really good voice, but didn't uh, that just wasn't a thing that he was was, into. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So so I know music is a big thread in your life, Mm -hmm. and um, it is in mine too. And sometimes it music speaks and touches. it expresses emotions that are really difficult to otherwise express mm-hmm. was, you know, music in some ways is part escape. It's part, mm-hmm. I don't know, communication. It's, mm-hmm. but you had the blessing of being able to sing, you know, I had to sing, but I didn't, I couldn't, it's not that I just said that I was a great singer. Um, was it, how did you view music? Was it an escape? Was it like communal? Was it meditative? Was it all of those things? What was I your relationship so. to music? Uh, so, Interestingly, we didn't, uh, we weren't allowed to play a lot of records and music and things like that in the house. Um, um, I, I remember just asking, it, well, I, I remember the first and probably only record I bought was a Barry Manilow record oh. because it, it, because was we it his solid gold hits? Yeah. Was it Barry Manilow's hits? I think hits? it may have been the best. Somewhere um, yeah. in England yes. and yes. Copacabana and all Exactly. That so, but, but we weren't really allowed to have, uh, music, uh, contemporary music in the house. But uh, my parents always played big band and we always listened. I grew up, I grew up listening, watching musicals, you know, whenever they would be on TV, whether it was a sound of music or anything with Danny Kay or. Oh yeah. Inchworm or like Tommy Dorsey and his big Uh band and mm -hmm. Glenn Miller and all that. And I, I love Judy Garland. I was just like Judy Garland. I was like, I want, I, from a a little girl, I was like, I want to be Judy Garland when I grow up. I mean, it just, so in a sense, uh, I think it was uh, it, it, not music the way some people were like, oh, I just know every song and every, I, I didn't, because I didn't have that experience, but um, it but was- you just, you was mesmerizing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was always participatory. I think it was the, and, and I still think I'm that way. Um, I get more joy out of participating. I can listen and it can be meditative for me for sure. Especially when I, um, I think as I've grown, as I've gotten older, uh, the lyrics are just- yeah. I, I some uh, <laughs> some lyrics reach in and just touch your heart absolutely and, and nestle there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so funny. It's so funny that you mentioned Judy Garland. Uh, I think I don't know if I'm the only one, but when I was a boy, there were these old black and white Judy Garland, uh, Mickey Rooney mm-hmm. movies. I think I've seen all of them. I'm pretty sure point. I have as well. <laughs> and there was always some singing and dancing, and I, I want to say in every single one of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that's going back a ways. Yep, yep. So what was so so you grew up in church. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your, would you have called yourself a follower of Jesus at a certain point? Was it, how did that work for you with faith? I mean, you saw it reflecting your mom, but a lot of people see faith reflected in their parents. That doesn't mean that they own it for themselves. What was that journey like for you? Um, so I, um, I was, I, I accepted Christ when I was third, third grade. Okay. Um, and through a Sunday school class. Oh, that's great. And, uh, and Those I, Sunday school teachers. I, absolutely. Uh, and I will, and I, I, I meant it. I meant it wholeheartedly. And um, I later, you know, going through spiritual gifts classes, I found out that my, one of my strongest spiritual gifts is faith. And, oh, that's and, great. and I remember thinking when I read it, I was like, please don't take this poorly. I truly thought I, I got gypped. Other people got these, these really <laughs> obvious spiritual gifts that I, I got, but I have, uh, I, I'm so grateful. It's I, a great I, gift. Oh my gosh. I can see it now. Now I can see how gift. it is carried through so many things. But even, even as a, I knew, I knew, I knew for sure when I was eight yeah, years yeah. old, I knew for sure that 
That's huge. That's so, and I think that that was part of that. And I always felt that way. But I also remember every year after third grade, Sunday school teachers would say, do you want to give your life to Christ? And I would you say, raise your hand. I, I'd say I did. And they'd say, well, you sure? And I would be like, so that was actually something that all the, uh, really until I got into my thirties, it always bothered me that people would ask that then mm. say a doubt that I, about that decision I made because no, I thought, that's a I shame. Thought, yeah. It, and, and so I have always tried to like be the opposite of that when I'm talking to people about where they're at in their faith what it, it, and, and say that it's a journey that it's such, and that, um, yeah, you can't like you, Here's the thing is that some people want to dismiss what's happening behind the eyes of someone else. Mm -hmm. And you, you can make that argument based on fruit. Maybe you can ask that question, but ultimately you're going to have to trust that the experience behind someone else's eyes is their experience. Mm -hmm. And there's no real statute of limitations on loneliness mm -hmm. or on asking Jesus to come in or mm -hmm. talking to God. Mm -hmm. You know, the, some of the, there are profound conversations that happen as a child or as a teen mm -hmm. or as an adult. And I think we just have to recognize that they can all be profound mm -hmm. in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So every year you get asked, my dad was a pastor and um, I used to sometimes walk the aisle just because I felt bad for him. <laughs> so he's like, you know, because we were Sunday, we're Baptist too. So Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And then I Monday night visitation and Tuesday night mm -hmm. uh, was I think RAs. Um, but, uh, but he would preach three times a week, you know, and then he would always give his invitation and it was like six verses of just as I am or, uh, whatever the, the invitation song was. And at some point nobody would go forward and I just feel bad. So I'd make something up, you know, and I think I got saved quite a bit, you know, for, <laughs> but no, I can only, I actually only made two great professions of faith. One, I was a kid and, uh, it was purely to get out of trouble, mm -hmm. but I wanted my parents to think that it was genuine. The other one was genuine. The other one, I, I really meant it. I have such, um, I, you know, my sister, she was one that she accepted the Lord when she was young and she was very young and, but that was it. Mm -hmm. She knew. I think faith is a gift. That's not to be underrated. Mm -hmm. Um, faith, by the way, how would you describe the gift of faith? Uh, I would say it's, it's that confidence in knowing that God is there no matter what. Yeah. And uh, wow, I it brings me to tears when I think that he has, I have no doubt in my mind. I can see so many times that he has been there. Yeah. And um, and that's and that's and that to me is what it is. It's knowing that regardless of how I'm feeling, being confident that he's by my side. Yeah, I think uh, it's it is that. God said it, I believe it. Mm -hmm. And it's some people just have that extraordinary thing to go, nope, he said it, I believe mm -hmm. it. It's like, well, other people, I would put myself in the other camp sometimes is, you know, we process, we're constantly mm -hmm. playing tennis and ping pong and going mm -hmm. back and forth. And there's a point at which we move forward, you know, because you have to. Mm -hmm. But um, but even the moving is sometimes a questioning part. People mm -hmm. with faith, they're like, don't waste your time on that. Mm -hmm. If he said it, it's settled. So let's let's mm -hmm. go on to the next challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you uh, went to Ohio State mm -hmm. and studied what? Aviation. Aviation. And did faith play a big role in your college years at all? Or uh, only in that um, when I when my husband and I met, we both knew that we were believers. Um, didn't really know of anybody else around us that was. We started going to church together. Okay. So even before we started dating, we started going to church together um, because so we weren't uh, I never hid my faith. Um, and, uh, you know, Dave wasn't shy about that either. Yeah. But I don't know that we would. I would say um, I have a friend that likes to say when I was in college, God had me on a long tether. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's a great phrase. Actually. And I think that that's I do. I think it's uh, I think this is part of the growing process. It's when. When I think back to someone saying, are you sure you're saved? It's almost like saying, well, you're perfect. Well, we're none of us are perfect. And I what I'm so grateful about when I'm uh, <laughs> grateful that God sent his son to cover my sins and to be patient with me yeah. as I'm growing and uh, to know that it's he's not expecting perfection, that yeah. he's going to be working on me until the day I die. And uh, so I think I look at that as. Um, 
there were probably, yes, there were definitely times when I was in college where I was not as close with God. Um, I'm not going to say that when I accepted uh, God at eight, or Christ at eight years old, that I was doing devotionals every morning. Sure. Uh, not that, but I think that, um, so I think it's all been a, a process. It's a, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a real danger that some people, they get saved by grace. And then what happens is they behave as if they're saved by works. And um, there, you need to have a sense of, no, no, I'm still saved by grace. God's all in with me. Um, and so I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn. But at the same time, we can't excuse sin. Mm -hmm. It's just um, we have to. I think there's a little bit more perspective as you look back sometimes. Um, but hopefully moving forward, there's that same kind of, boy, I really want to do this well. Mm -hmm. I want to please Jesus mm -hmm. well. Um, Dave, wow. So how did you guys meet? Because he, was he also in aviation? Yeah, so we were both in flight school together. and um, Top guns. On, wow. <laughs> we're on the flight team. And uh, yeah, I worked I worked behind the desk at the flight school to help, you know, pay for my college expenses, pay for my flight, flight training. And um, and he he did as well. He's a, we both ended up being flight instructors there. And wow. so. Where did you go to church, by the way, when you guys were in uh, Columbus and university? So there was a, oh gosh, we, we actually kind of like church hopped, really yeah. looking for different things. But we both grew up Presbyterian. So there was a Presbyterian church in a town called Worthington there okay. that we used to, that we, that we went to probably more regularly. I think, um, I think as college students, we had some skepticism about, sure. um, I think you uh, you question the world a lot at that yeah. at that age and should uh, and should yeah and so I think we we would always kind of you know go check out different churches and they kind critique of critique it on the way home yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely we we did so uh, but I do this remember. is what I didn't approve of <laughs> that they did yeah but it was great because it was uh, we all have always had those types of discussions it was great to have you know those yeah. uh, not in a not to be critical but to be able to uh, to bounce those things off of each other. And what do you really think? And what do you really think about this? And uh, well, it becomes a great discussion point. The challenge is some people, they never know how to have the discussion without the critique. Mm -hmm. And a part of the growing process is learning how to discuss what God is saying without a skewering. Right. The service I don't want you to think in. that we do that. With no, 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 I don't think that but it's definitely something that was part of, uh, it was part of us getting to know each other and part of us realizing that our, um, just to be able to have someone to talk to about my faith at that point was important. And for, and for him as well. Um, Did you guys get married right out of college? We got married a year after I graduated from college. Yeah. That's exciting. And yeah. then did you move immediately up to Naperville? We, oh, not Naperville, sorry, Downers Grove area. We did. Yeah. We did. So uh, we, um, and you've been here ever since. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So one move really. Yep. Yeah. In your life. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So um, when were the twins born? They were born in 1999. Okay. So, so. And you guys moved up in. Oh, so it's been 30 years ago. Okay. So 30 years ago in March. So, wow, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. So you guys move up here. Um, you're out, you're fresh out of college mm -hmm. and you start looking for a church home, mm -hmm. which uh, again is, it's a beautiful thing to think of a marriage where, you know, how did you get to know each other? Well, we started going to church together. We were in the same aviation, mm -hmm. talking about God. Mm -hmm. And you get married. The thing about the two of you, and I, you know, uh, full disclosure to our listeners, I knew Dave and um, I had the privilege of officiating at, at his funeral. Um, you know, when you get together and you're both in the same lane, so to speak, spiritually, it, you know, you're never bored for conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a sense of purpose when you arrive someplace to say, no, 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 this is going to be about God first. Mm -hmm. um, how were those early years for you guys? in faith formation and kind of figuring it out mm -hmm. as a couple and all that. We, um, we really, uh, I think when we first moved up here, it was tough to move up here. I mm. don't, I don't think I, uh, I was just telling someone the other day that was kind of there struggling with a relationship and, um, and I, and I tried to say, Hey, you know, relationships take work. And I actually used yeah. relationship, my relationship with God. I'm like, Hey, that's a, that's, that's something that I work on every day. Yeah. And, and that's the way relationships are. And I did, had used also then when we moved up here, I said, you know, as much as we talked about the transition up here, um, I didn't realize what a shock it would be for me because I didn't have a job. I left my job at Ohio. I was working at Ohio state at the time oh, wow. and, um, and, and no friends, no cold. church cold. Yep. And, um, and I, and I had just said, it's, 
it was really shocking. And uh, you do try to, uh, your faith does bring you together, but there's also can be conflict when you have big changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it can either drive you apart or drive you together, or sometimes it's like a bumpy kind of aspect before it smooths out. Right, right. And so he was a pilot for United, as you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and when you're junior as a pilot, you don't necessarily get weekends off. Oh, so he's gone all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. And it was um, I uh, I it was just a difficult, it was a difficult time for me because I am not one to um, put myself out in groups of, I was not one to put myself out in groups of people I didn't know. I'm, I, really? uh, people will, people think that I'm very people, outgoing yes, and warm. Right. That's how I know you. Yeah. But I, um, uh, I think, I think anyone that's going through a time where they're insecure yeah. can go very much go inward. And I went inward in our right. first year of, of marriage. And um, what started to break that up for you? Uh, so a, my pastor from growing up, mm-hmm. he moved to Naperville to start really? a church. He and his family. And um, uh, so he moved from, from the town of 5,000. He had moved. He, prior to that, he had been, um, he had, he had left the church that I grew up in uh, long, long before, but uh, ended up, but my mom had always stayed in touch with him. And uh, I remember her calling me and saying, Darren, Dan and Mary Lee, they're moving to, they're moving to a town called Naperville. Do you know where that is? Wow. I do. So they started a church plant. Well, Dave and I started going to help them with the church plant then yeah. and um, helping with the music and just different things. And so, Sorry, so, so let me just, uh, I'm just going to wrap my head around this a little bit because <laughs> this is so the way God works, right? Like there's no way you could script this. There's no way you could plan it. You're struggling through a cultural change and it just so happens that this figure from your childhood where all that comfort and stability and familiarity is comes to plant a church to do something spiritually pointed and purposeful, mm-hmm. literally the ten, the next town over from mm-hmm. where you're living, mm-hmm. at just that moment that God knew that you would need it. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's right. Come on, mm-hmm. how big is God? Right. Right. That's incredible. Yep. So yep. you started helping with this church plant. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and then I would, would take care of his kids, babysit his kids. So he and now his what wife was that and... like? Because I've been church planter and. I know how tough the early days of church plants are. Mm-hmm. Did you guys start cold? Did you start with a core group? Does it? How did By the time Dave and I uh, started going, they probably had uh, twenty-five people uh-huh. there. So that's early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was it a pretty wide demographic, or was it largely young families or couples? Largely or? families. Yep, yep. So okay. we were kind of the a young couple it was un- unusual, right, to, yeah. to be in. Um, so we went there for a couple of years, and it was. Uh, they were on the far side of, of Naperville at the time. And so there were times that we'd be like, Oh, it's a long ways there, you know? (laughs) So we did struggle with that a little bit. Um, and then they ended up the, the church plant didn't work out. They ended up having another, other opportunity and they went elsewhere and we started looking for other churches again. And by uh, that time you had some relationships some mm-hmm. friends you felt a little more comfortable with the area yeah so yeah. it was literally almost like a just enough mm-hmm. to warm you through yeah yep what a gift yeah. of god yeah so god provides for you guys and for you to warm through in this church plant and now you're looking for a different are you jobbing at this point like do you have a job at this point i did not have a job for the first year Okay, which was a drag. Mm-hmm. So that was, you were extra frustrated because mm-hmm. you felt like Dave was off fulfilling his lifelong dream of being an airline pilot. Mm-hmm. You're kind of down in the dumps trying to figure out how to connect. Mm-hmm. You're cold. That's the bumpy part. Mm-hmm. And so he comes home, he's tired, but he's like, well, what are you talking about? We're living the dream. And you're going, yeah. this is not my dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I need to figure out something. Mm-hmm. And then God provides with this uh, childhood pastor, mm-hmm. church plant. By that time though, now you've got a job. What was your what was your position? So I um, found a part time job at an insurance company, okay. but not the insurance, not uh, just a just kind of like a secretarial position. Okay, because you're a specialist, mm-hmm. right? You do insurance for aviation, is I that do. Right? and I you do. you do the. Um, remind me again. I am a risk and compliance analyst for the company, which basically means. They needed to find a title for me. I do. Uh, I do all of our legal filings 
I write our policy language. I, um, I do our, uh, the interface of programming. I don't do the programming itself, but I say this is what people see to get the programs to, to generate policies. So you're one of the hardest workers I've ever met. Um, have you always been wired that way? Just, Mm -hmm. just you work Mm -hmm. like hard, hard. Uh, We were, we were talking earlier about being from the Midwest, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, um, you know, I, I grew up with my dad saying, I, okay, you've said before, you're not a crier. I'm a crier. I've always been That's a crier, okay. right? That's okay. Um, I have also said publicly, <laughs> I'm weird. Like, I know I'm weird. But that doesn't mean I don't cry. I do cry. The difference is I just get embarrassed about it. I am learning as I get older to not be embarrassed by tears. Yeah. There are times where I can cry and I, I don't feel embarrassed about it mm-hmm. now which is a huge, huge step for me. But typically if I feel like I've, I like I I just don't, I never watch a movie to have a good cry. Like it's never, it's never happened where I thought I've just got to get a good mm-hmm. cry going and then I'm just going to oh, feel yeah. so much better. No. So, no. But, but other people, I think most people are far more comfortable with their tears. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. Well, and, and I always have, I always have been a crier. And so, so much so that the youngest of four, uh, I was a scrawny little kid and, um, the weakest one, all of my brothers and sisters are very athletic and, um, I, I, I lack coordination. <laughs> so, but I, but my, you had this musical but, gift, right? right. But, but my dad would always say, buck up, sis, you got to buck up, get in there and do it. And, um, and I think that I, I you know, I, I think that that's just, uh, I just learned that you, you work hard. Don't yeah. let somebody tell you you can't do, you can do, you can do anything you put your mind to, sis. Nose to the grindstone. That's. My dad used to tell my sister, suck it up, buttercup. Yep. Like that was his favorite <laughs> phrase for it. Um, so your work in then, and then you guys get plugged in. At what point do you get plugged in here at uh, Grace Point? So we actually, uh, not until the boys were about four years old. Okay. So we'd been going to a church in Downers. 2003. Uh, they were born in 90. They were born in 99. Mm-hmm. Yep. 2003. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we, we'd been uh, very active in a, in a Methodist church for yeah. a long time. And, um, and just through, for different reasons. Uh, over and... mm-hmm. Yep. So. Um, well, your boys are extraordinary. And Matt and Zach are extraordinary young men. Um, I had the privilege of knowing them in their early high school years mm-hmm. and all the way through high school. And um, I mean, talented, like crazy talented and each in their own way. It's funny because there's crossover and the crossover of their talent is music. Mm-hmm. So, but Dave would say that he wasn't musical. Well, but he, I mean, he played, he played French horn. So he okay, was, all right. and he actually played in a, a national bands when he was oh. in high school. So he, he, so of course he's musical. Right. Well, how come I never knew that? He hid that very, very well <laughs> for me. But uh, and that's absolutely awesome. So then you guys are kind of coming up. You're going here to Grace Point. The boys are growing. Each of them is so um, unique, and yet, of course, they're twins. And um, they are, by the way. Now they weren't hard for me to distinguish, but I think they're hard for most. Mm-hmm. It takes a while, I think, mm-hmm. for most because mm-hmm. they really are identical. Yeah, twins. they're they're actually mirror identical twins. Whoa. So. So, um, yeah, I always, I always had to do it by uh, dress style and approach because yeah. they have a very different approach. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Very different person that uh, different. Diff- yeah. Approach is probably better to say different personalities, but it is a different approach. But over time I got used to kind of knowing which face I was looking at. I don't know what it is. I don't, but anyway, so, but they're really exceptional young men who are now through college. Kathy, where did the time go? I know they're through college. Well, soon. So Zach graduated in the fall and he, he got done well, early. Well, <laughs> and then yeah, that again, sounds the like Zach, yeah. <laughs> Zach's never met a, a schedule. He couldn't overload. Yes. Right? <laughs> Class schedule. He couldn't add more to. And, uh, yeah. And so Matt's going to graduate this next month. So. And Matt's an extraordinary engineer, right? Mm-hmm. He loves, he, he does the competition, right? With uh, solar. With the, uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's the SAE competition. So it's a, it's a, how far can you drive a car on one gallon of gas? And I That's think that amazing. I think their car in the last competition um, won an international competition. I think around 2,200 miles on a gallon of gas is what they made. And his passion is 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Zach's passion, he's drumming for mm-hmm. everybody right but now. But Matt's passion is also jazz. 
music. So he's a double. Well, yeah, he's phenomenal you know, at sax. And I'm, I remember getting to hear that in the club when mm -hmm. uh, you guys invited us down. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's maybe move into a little bit of a darker chapter, and then we'll kind of want to emerge from it because it's been a few years mm -hmm. since then. But mm -hmm. um, when was because um, there was this time where Dave was diagnosed mm -hmm. and given is it six months to mm -hmm. live? Mm -hmm. Yep, it was six five, months. five months, five, five months. months. Mm -hmm. And that what year was that? Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen, and the remarkable thing there is, of course, it wasn't five months. No. You guys were gifted with years. Two and a half years. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And um, you started to go and have all these adventures as a family mm -hmm. to go and do some of the things that you wanted to experience. Mm -hmm. And Dave began to pour, I think, even greater joy and gas on everything mm -hmm. that had to do with the family and you. In the meantime, you had to have just been behind the scenes uh, trying to keep it all together um, inside yourself mm -hmm. with the thought that this thing may be looming mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. And while all of that is happening, you guys don't break stride when it comes to serving at church. Like Dave, Dave was back at the sound booth, uh, man, up until he had to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. He would take a round of chemo and be there the next morning. Mm -hmm. And I remember sometimes he would look so yellow and, but he had the biggest smile on his face. And I would think, man, you don't have to do that, you know, but he was like, no, no, this is, I get, I'm joy. It's my joy to be here mm -hmm. and do this. And mm -hmm. I serve Jesus. I so love that. You've been, you were the same, like, no, I'm singing. Mm -hmm. This is, and it, the worship itself became cathartic for oh. you as well as you were oh. going through it. Absolutely. How, as you look back and you think about all, obviously the prayer that surrounded you guys and surrounded the family, the church really came around you. Um, how did you handle those kind of behind alone moments where you're in the mm -hmm. bathroom trying to keep it together? You know, how did that? Yeah. Um, did you, was it like extraordinary strength, Derek? Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. Or was it like, no, God kind of came in. Like, what was that? I think, you? Um, you know, I think it, to, to, um, to, for me to say that, I don't want, I wouldn't want anyone to think that uh, what they saw and Dave and I went, whether I was leading worship or Dave was at sound booth to think that it was fake. It was absolutely. No, it was it genuine. Was, it, but when you, but there are times that it hits you. And, and I would say um, being at church and That's serving. Called human. It's mm -hmm. called humanity. Right? Yeah. And I think yeah. being at surf, church and serving, I think that I think both of those things are, are very healing and that gives you, it's the opportunity to um, for God's peace to wash over you mm. when you're having, but then you you do go home and yeah. I I will say I can look back um, I can look back with some perspective now yeah. and say that was seven almost eight years ago and I realized there are parts of me that I was I was shutting down on yeah that uh, that I probably um, when I was told, I, I can look back and say, when that doctor said, you have, your husband has five months to live, get your stuff together, go home, be with your family and enjoy each other. Yeah. Um, there was a part of me that shut down, hmm. that shut down and said, um, you have to accept this. And, uh, and probably missed out on some opportunities to experience certain, we did experience joy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think there, I think there are probably some things in a sense to you try to protect yourself. Yeah. That, it's tempered by mm -hmm. self-preservation. Right. Exactly. And, um, and the part that you may not know is um, three weeks before Dave got diagnosed with cancer, my mom was diagnosed with, an, with an autoimmune disease that would, that would, that would take her and 18 months later. And it was, it was, a. a and we knew, that. and we knew that we knew that when she got diagnosed that, um, she passed in 20, she passed, 15. she passed 11 months before Dave did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Mm -hmm. That was just so much at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think there was definitely a part of me that, uh, and I do think it was self-preservation that shut down, took me a, a while to, to realize that's what I was doing. Yeah. Um, actually probably didn't take until a few years ago that I went, Oh, okay. That's uh and, and it's slowly been one of the start to emerge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and, um, it's been, 
again, saying that this is a process. It's It's been um, something God has, has helped me work through from then until now. Um, I, I love, you bring up something that very few people uh, articulate. And that is that, because you said, look, when I was serving in a worship, those were genuine moments. Those were moments where the focus wasn't kind of on what I was going through, but I could, I, that it's not that all that stuff disappeared. It's that you're able to give it over mm -hmm. in that moment. And there's something cathartic and peaceful. You mentioned peace washing over you in those mm -hmm. moments, but then you have to leave that congregate worship, focus on Jesus, that Sabbath, and you go kind of to the, the regular day. And of course, God's in the everyday too, mm -hmm. but there is something special about uh, God's church and the Sabbath and worship and the focus, the selfless focus of loving God that is an oasis sometimes in a, in a desert or a refuge in mm -hmm. a storm. And you were certainly going through a storm and, and uh, I love that there was a shelter there, mm -hmm. you know, every six days or so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, that gave you some respite, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the boys seem to handle it as well as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. um, like there wasn't I, the thing that was so beautiful about them and just kind of observing them and being in relationship with them. And, um, you know, we love them to pieces um, is that, as much as I know they had to have been kind of like, please don't let this end. God, could you kill him? Okay. God, could you do this? They were also remarkably peaceful and joyful. And they, they didn't have a massive allergic reaction like some mm -hmm. people do. You know, when my mom was sick, uh, it was the opposite. I didn't want to have an allergic reaction. I wanted to, honor her memory. Mm -hmm. And it seems as if that's what Zach and mm -hmm. Matt have really mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's always, when you're going through something like that, there's always tensions because um, uh, everyone is dealing, all, yeah. all the individuals that are connected to this person that they love, yeah. uh, they're battling their, they're battling their emotions and in different ways. Um, and um, I remember at one point that the tensions were high. We had we had a lot of family in our house at one point, and um, I could tell there were certain family members that they were being demanding, and 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 I yeah. knew I knew why it was happening. I knew they were hurting, but um, at at one point I just had to say, "Hi, my focus right now." We we were in the last within the last week of his life, and yeah. I and I just said, um, it was "A tough week," and I said look, Dave has done this so well. Yeah. He has, uh, he's really tried to show his boys. He did. How that he, he's not afraid that he loves God, but he loves them. He doesn't want to leave them, but he's not afraid. He's, no. that he's, he's joyful about the place he's going. Dave's doing this so well. And right now my focus has to be on helping him do it well so our boys can yeah. see that. And I think- um, It sets a bar, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, he is, he was, he really, uh, uh, listeners, one day, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna meet Dave McCoy and uh, you'll know him by a smile. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I remember those, some of those final days and uh, this is the way it should, it should be for most of us. Dave prayed for healing to the very end. And at the same time, trusted God to the very end mm -hmm. and knew that his uh, future was secure to the very end. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when he passed on to glory, he went with a smile. Mm -hmm. He did. You know, he did. just exceptional, extraordinary. Well, one of the things that I've so admired about you is the way that you, you know, the, the aftermath of that and the boys as well, the aftermath of that, the three of you really kept, you were just, you just continued to be so faithful to God. The boys, both of them played on worship team and, mm -hmm. you know, and 
they were fantastic and they're still looking they were looking at colleges and i know that was something they wish that they could have done with the dave's part of what david really hoped for mm -hmm. and you were now navigating as a single mom all of that mm -hmm. and dealing with your own grief mm -hmm. and working like crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> to try and uh, keep everything going mm -hmm. um and i so admired the way you handled all of that and and i just want you to know that uh, you know just observing and as someone also who's who knows you fairly well and um and has just kind of uh, been your pastor i i have really i thought you guys just navigated that extraordinarily well um, just with great grace and great beauty and great um authenticity um you it didn't mean tears didn't flow didn't mean it wasn't hard didn't mean uh, it was it wasn't breathtakingly hard at times, but it does. I, I'm not sure believers could could have any believer anywhere could have navigated that any better. Oh, well, thank you. But I, you know, and I, I know that there are things that uh, you, no one does it perfectly, right? Nobody, yeah. nobody does. It's uh, um, the emotion of it means that you're going to do things that are not right. It's uh, uh, and, and as much as um, I, oh, I, I, I thank God every day that he was there with me every day. And uh, there are days I did battle with God over it for sure. sure. But I'm grateful that I have a God that, that I can, that you can be real with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That he doesn't, he doesn't, that doesn't, he never, his shoulders me. are big enough yeah. to handle it. Right. Yeah. He yeah. never pushed me away when I was angry or frustrated or, um, or if I didn't handle, I'm sure that there, are, I, I know that there are friends that I heard at different times didn't mean to, yeah. but, um, in me processing my grief, um, maybe because I couldn't handle taking on their grief, yeah. didn't handle things properly. And, um, there's all those, you don't do things perfectly when you're going through well, that. Nobody's perfect, but I'm right. saying, I think you really did as well as you could possibly do. I was at, uh, this last week for my quiet time, I decided to meditate on one chapter and there was Lamentations chapter three. And the interesting thing about that chapter is the beginning of that chapter, boy, you really think it's like the world is caving in. The second half of that chap chapter, it all turns. The steadfast love of the Lord never mm -hmm. ceases. But I know this about you, God, but I know that about you, God. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment where it kind of turns back and it's like, but man, this stinks. Like, I don't like this mm -hmm. at all, but you're still good. Mm -hmm. And you know, meditating on that chapter, I thought, yeah, that's life. That's exactly what it is like sometimes mm -hmm. as a believer. You go, I'm just going to put it all out there. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. This isn't easy. This isn't fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ugh. but I'm still with you mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you're still good. Mm -hmm. And I still trust you. I don't get mm -hmm. this, but I still mm -hmm. trust you. One of my favorite passages that got me through the last five years is uh, Psalm 27, 13. And I'll paraphrase it because I'm not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I would have despaired if I would not have believed that I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm. Uh, be patient. Oh. Wait for the Lord. Be confident and wait on the Lord. And uh, it was just that I I remember when Dave got diagnosed and, um, and we would have many over the two and a half years, we would have a lot of conversations, a lot of tearful conversations. And, um, and he would say, but it's going to be okay. And I would say, it's going to be okay for you. Um, but once you're, once this is over for you, I hope it's okay that I say this, my, I, my hell was going to begin yeah. here because I knew it was going to be painful. Yeah. And, um, and he would say, which is what you were trying to knock your, inoculate yourself from. Exactly. But there it was. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I would, and he would say, oh, but it's, I'm going to be in a beautiful place. I was like, I know you are. Yeah. And I said, and I can look forward to that. I can look forward. I'm excited for you for that. I'm looking forward to that day when I can be in a beautiful place. But really for a lot of that time in the last five years, a lot of my time was trying to figure out how I can, how can I look for the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Because mm. really easy so for me to look to heaven and say someday yeah. someday perfect no pain no sorrow i'm going to see dave i'm going to see my mom yeah. but 
I needed to know that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And have you? And I have. And That's I have. awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you led worship uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, we had our, our, we had two locations in the same kind of physical spot, but two separate places. And um, Kathy, I know you lead worship from time to time upon our stage, but you also led on Easter Sunday. And I just, I thought, boy, how appropriate. You know, he has risen, he has risen indeed. And you, you've, you've got so much life. Like you really do. You have a lot, of, you come in with verve, you know. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'm trying, like I, it's funny because, you know, I, I've seen you intense. <laughs> and, and I have seen the intensity uh, become more about the enthusiasm. You know, you're still, you, you can still be pretty intense, but, but I've really loved uh, seeing you lead and pour yourself in and, um, and lead others. And I just think it's been absolutely extraordinary. Well, listen, listener, if you can't take anything away from this conversation, I don't know if I can help you very much. I, I'm taking things away from this conversation. And uh, even if it's the verse in Psalms, but to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, which is uh, which is where Kathy is at, and uh, and how she's viewing the world, but also seeing the good things to come. Mm -hmm. uh, Kathy, I I just speak for many, but certainly for myself when I say I just think uh, God certainly isn't done with you yet, and and you are a joy to so many people, and such a you know. Inspiration is, is one word, but I would say also example. You're an example for so many people. Thanks for leading us in worship. Thanks for using your gift to do that. Thanks even more for your faithfulness and for your transparency in the journey. And, um, you know, this is how we navigate grief. Mm -hmm. At some point, you start to sing it as well with my soul. Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing, but... Um, and I'll be honest with you, listen, listener, if you think that I'm like, oh, I've got it down, trust me. Kathy's navigated this much better than I ever could. Um, but this is why I look, this is why we do this podcast, because I look at people like you. And when we dig into the story, then I go, okay, I got to learn this. I need to learn that. This is so important to apply. So there's been so many points here, um, whether it's faith, the gift of faith, or, you know, what does it mean to really just trust and believe or how you date, how you get to know people? Mm -hmm. What does it mean when you move to a new place and God answers mm -hmm. in extraordinary ways? Uh, but there's just been so much in this mm -hmm. podcast that's worth going back mm -hmm. and rewinding and re-listening. <laughs> Thank you again, Kathy, for oh. taking the time to, to do this with me. Oh, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.